folks, if you enjoy our guidance about the management trinity, getting to know your people, talking about performance, asking for more, pushing work down, and our tools are helpful, one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. The ideal way to learn about implementing them is to come to one of our effective manager conferences. One day, we cover all of the major topics. You practice feedback. You practice coaching. You practice delegation. I can't tell you the number of times people have said to us, wow, I thought I understood the tools. And then when I had to practice, I realized I've taken it to another level. Come to the website, check out our conference schedule, see us all over the U.S. and in Europe and in Asia and in Australia. See you there. Welcome to Manager Tools. In today's cast, we cover the first part of our series on the management trinity, why we preach it and how it came to be. I think you'll enjoy this one. Before we go on, though, I just wanted to point out that on October 4th, nominations for the podcast awards start. Unfortunately, because Manager Tools won the People's Choice Award last year, Manager Tools is not eligible for any category this year. However, we'd love to enlist your support in nominating Career Tools in the business category this year. So if you're so inclined, we'd appreciate you going over to podcastawards.com and voting for Career Tools. Thanks for your support. All right, so let's get on with this week's show. It's about time that we've talked about the management trinity from a little bit different perspective, right? We've talked about the how to do it, and we've talked a little bit about the theory, but I don't think we've ever really talked how this stuff all ties together. Why does it exist? How do we come up with a manager tools trinity, and why is it so powerful? And and I'm excited that we're finally getting a chance to share this with our podcasting community, because although we've shared it at conferences, I don't think we've ever shared it on a podcast before. Yeah, and and it's been me, right? I've been the stumbling block. You've asked for it, and I've I've hesitated because every single podcast we produce up until now has been all about actionable recommendations. And while there are actionable recommendations in this cast, and we intend this cast to be used to help managers get better, the fact is, when I started writing it, it was about helping people understand the background. So yeah, this is this is a bit different, and yet you're right, necessary and valuable. So I'm excited. We get asked all the time, you know, questions about how to manage. And then we know immediately, right, whether or not the right. asking manager is using our models for one-on-ones feedback or coaching, right? It's just kind of funny. And then regardless of whether they're using or not, after talking to us, they they agree. I, I guess we just coerce them into doing it. And then they actually do it. And then they come back and say, my God, these things actually <laughs> <Yeah>. work. <laughs> Which we're always amazed at. Geez, uh, why, why wouldn't I believe it? <laughs> I guess maybe that's because management consultants are, are known to give lots of advice that they know is not going to work, I guess. I doesn't say a whole lot about I actually think it's a par- partially a function of people don't really think that there are actionable recommendations. You know, some people want to make suggestions, right? Nobody wants to go from the generic or the general down to a specific, to a recommendation. And yet... You know, so somebody's got to say, this is a way to do it. It may not be the only way, but this is a way and we know it works. Right. Well, I, I think it's also partly because the recommendations are fairly straightforward and simple. I mean, there's nothing complicated about this stuff, right? right? I mean, it's it's easy to do. It's it's literally just opening your mouth and saying certain words on a regular basis. I mean, it's no more complicated than that. And I think folks sometimes think and a lot, the industry, our industry has a lot to do with creating this perspective that effective management and leadership in particular is 
you know, it's it's a gift. It's you know, either got it or you don't, and there's yeah. and it's not trainable. And in, in fact, yeah. it is. That's just not true. Yeah, that that frustrates me. That whole it's unattainable to you. And I suspect that among highly talented executives and leaders, sometimes they foment that, right? They don't want people thinking it's easy to get what they've done. And yet almost every executive or leader or manager I know is any good says, I wonder if people are going to figure out how much I'm groping around in the dark a lot of the time. Right. So we do get lots of questions about the Trinity. Where did it come from? And so on. And this cast hopefully will answer some of those for folks. You know, as I said, it's not, it's a bit unusual and it's not quite as hard hitting in terms of actual recommendations. Although number six is how can I use what you've shared with me in this cast? And again, we, we present this cast in the hope that it will help you as a manager explain why to others, explain why you are using these tools and what their origin is. And, and if it helps for those of you who are familiar with DISC, this is the explanation and background you can share with your high C directs. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you don't blow past that. I mean, that, that is a really powerful purpose. Um, a lot of your folks are going to want to know why you're doing some of these, some of these things. You're either listening to the podcast or you came to a conference and you go back and all of a sudden you start managing differently. So then you have to answer the question of, well, is this a fad, right? I mean, what's, what's changed? Do you go to some, some, uh, spiritual <laughs> conference or something, <laughs> change yourself as a person? And the fact is you're not, and there's good right. reason why we recommend these practices. So being able to explain why is powerful to your folks. So, okay. With that, what's, what's the outline for today? So we've got six major points. The first one is, is a critical one that, that, uh, it really gets people talking at the conferences, which is all of the manager tools trinity, all of the tools in the manager tools trinity are teachable equivalents, teachable equivalents, okay? And that begs the question of equivalence of what, but we'll come to that, right? Yeah, right. Uh, and then then two, three, and four, and five, we talk about one-on-ones, feedback, coaching, and delegation. One-on-ones stem from the fact that great managers know their people exceptionally well. When it comes to feedback, great managers communicate incessantly about performance, uh, irritatingly so. Uh, when it comes to coaching, number four, great managers regularly ask for notably improved performance from their directs. Number five, delegation, great managers always grow organizational capability. And then num- our number six ties it all together. Okay, I get the background now. How can I use this knowledge? Good. Okay, so let's talk about Teachable equivalents. All of manager tools, training tools are teachable equivalents. So what's that all about? Equivalence of what? Right. right. What do you well, mean look, let, let, yeah, yeah. Let, let's start with this. Okay. One of our biggest frustrations with management learning is that it's so theoretical, right? I know I've, I've blogged on it. It's been on the website. I know I've talked about it at least one cast, uh, in a sense of frustration. I read a book, uh, by Jeffrey Pfeffer, a management thinker who, by the way, we greatly admire. And the book was called The Knowing Doing Gap. It was about the problem with organizations who these organizations know, they quote, know what the right or best or better or more effective or more efficient thing to do is, and yet yet somehow don't seem to be doing it, right? They hire consultants. You know, some consultant says, oh, Six Sigma is, is clearly a better way for you to do things and manage your production, your distribution chain, whatever. Yeah. Or, or a balance scorecard. I know, yeah, a balance I know scorecard, some manager yeah. that hired some management <laughs> consultant one time. Yeah, don't, don't air your dirty laundry. Okay. Um, but, but look, in about six months, everything's back to the way it used to be. And that's why people talk about organizational inertia. Nothing seems to change around here. Well, look, everybody, you know. There are people incented not to change things. That's part of management is to reduce chaos and change introduces some low level or high level form of chaos. 
But look, things are the way they used to be. And so the, the organization knows that they could be better, but they're not doing it. And, and look, from my perspective, when I heard about that book from somebody we admire, I was totally excited. I thought Jeff Pfeffer is really going to blow the lid off this thing and it's going to be great, right? And he's going to offer us a solution, right? I'm going to, I'm going to read from a smart guy about a solution to the knowing doing gap, which, you know, the number of times I thought, well, they know all they need to now do, now do is do and they don't. I just shake my head. He was going to basically offer me a roadmap out of the status quo, a way of thinking uh, differently and implementing new ideas more effectively. And, and the fact is, yet again, I was disappointed. I should have known better. Um, the book was not, as you and I had hoped, uh, the, t- the book was not titled Closing the Knowing Doing Gap. It was, as, as I said, The Knowing Doing Gap. Right. The book, this book, who again, Jeff Effer's great. I like him, smart guy, spent 200, over 200 pages cataloging the fact that big organizations often know what to do, but then don't do it. And my thought in reading this, uh, in terms of background about management learning is we need 200 plus pages of a book and 25, 30 bucks of my money to know this. Why, why publish? Essentially ask other people to pay you for something that everyone already knows is a problem. Right. So let's wait. Let's have a solution for it. But no, there was there was no solution. It was just, oh, yeah, this problem exists. You might as well say, yeah, I'm I'm trying to lose weight. Well, OK, <laughs> nice. Good. Good to know. I'm sorry we have to um, to single out uh, Mr. Pfeffer, because, as you said, we really like his work. Yeah, he's so good. He's, he's not smart. a reflection on him. That's for sure. And, he's and I'll tell you what guy. makes him really good. He's not afraid to talk about people and about money together. Right. He knows labor. He knows productivity. He knows costs. And he's smart about HR as well. The guy's a genius. But still, here's a genius and producing a book that's totally symptomatic of management learning. Management learning is rarely, if ever, about specific actions managers and professionals can take to make themselves and their organizations more effective. Right. And look, I mean, it's not that. And yet what good is learning if you can't take action from it? I, I know there's a whole book on this. Of course, it just describes the problem. It doesn't have a solution. But it almost feels like a bunch of management philosophers are writing books for other management philosophers. And you almost want to say, yeah, the problem is not the philosopher part. It's the manager part. We're not on some philosophical journey here to management enlightenment. We are trying to improve results for our organization. And we're trying to do it now if we can. And, you know, no offense, but my friends and our clients and people who are listening, they want to get better now. They're giving us their time away from their family and friends to listen to us. Dear God, why? And they listen and they go read books and they go to trainings. And, and those of us who do that, we want to know what we can do tomorrow to make ourselves better. And management learning, by and large, doesn't do that. One, one of my previous business partners told me once he had a simple trick, which I've adopted, by the way, and it's, it's quite effective for deciding whether or not to buy a management book, whether to now, now, since then, I, I, I think this still works, but frankly, I read every management book I can get my hands on now, um, because I've just given up the idea that there are going to be a lot of good ones. And the, the analysis he did was as he flipped through it, did it have three actionable ideas in it? Not just theories, not just things that were interesting to him, but three things that he could do. And think about that. What's efficient or even effective about an industry in which you can publish 250 pages of work for 20 to 30 U.S. dollars 
and have as a reasonable standard that there are only three actionable ideas in it. And now, now I'm not saying that the publishers or the authors actually have that as a standard. What I can tell you is this. My business partner had almost no business books. He didn't find that many books that had three actionable ideas. If I was going to wax literary, I'd say this is the thinnest of gruel for those of <laughs> us who are hungry to help us get better. And, and um, look... Our frustration, Mike's frustration, my frustration, and we suspect everybody who's listening frustration for the most part in terms of other sources. And, and don't get us wrong. We don't believe that it's all us and uh, it's us against them. There are many, many good sources. There are many, many places you can learn, you can grow. And, and sometimes you read a book and it gives you an idea and you can't action it. But two years later, that light goes off and you're better because of it. We understand all that. But we also know that you want to learn now if you possibly can. Spending $20 now to wait two years for an impact is maybe not always the smartest thing in the world. But anyway. The question that managers have is, what should I do? That's what people come to us for. What should I do? Not what's the theory, not what's the background, not what's the big picture. Mark, paint me a picture. No, Mark, hand me a knife so I can cut through the murk, the murk right? What should I do? When should I do it? How should I do it? What's going to happen when I do it? What can I expect after I do it? How can I address the response I'm going to get when I do it? How will I benefit? How will my people benefit? How will the organization benefit? You know, those are the questions that too often... I think, we think, management thinking today doesn't tend to get into. Yeah. And that's why we started Manager Tools, right? That's the, that's the yeah. thought that got us down the path of doing what we're doing today. Right. You and I both said we want, and I remember very clearly writing it down, actionable recommendations for practicing managers. Okay? That has been our guiding light, tactically speaking, since the very beginning. Tactically speaking, uh, strategically, our goal is to change management. We don't want to write books. We're not desirous of publishing podcasts, although we're thrilled to do it because our, our strategy is to change management. If this is the delivery system, fine, it works and we'll, we'll use it. But frankly, there was very little, if any, actionable recommendations for practicing managers. It was, it, it, it's a little bit like a scotoma that when you put together all the management learning out there, you're kind of like, okay, where, where's the stuff of specific things I'm supposed to do now? And, and by the way, there are books out there that say, we'll tell you exactly what to do. But when you actually read them, they don't actually tell you what to do, right? They allude to it. They suggest it. They suggest how you should be or how you should think. But that's the thinking and being are not doing. It reminds me of the old army phrase, the army leader phrase, which is be, know, and do. And it's not just be and know. It's not be a leader and, and know your stuff. It's be a leader, know your stuff, and then do what your duty is. Right. Okay. But then, but then how do you do that, though? I mean, if, 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 in fact, the actual stuff is not out there in the books and there's no, there's no syllabus, if you will, of effective manager actions or behavior, which is what we focus on, then where do you go find that stuff? What, what do you do? The right. easy answer to your question, how would we do that? How would we make, how would we teach actionable recommendations for practicing managers? The way we would determine what the recommendations are, in other words, what we would figure out, what behaviors we want people to engage in, what, what is quote unquote management? The easy answer is pay attention to what folks do who are really, really good at management and tell everyone else what it is they do. Now, that may seem overly simplistic, and I, I admit it seems overly simplistic, and I'm not going to make this, this silly joke about, well, I'm not that smart, so therefore, it'd have to be really simple. The fact is, management, is, is, you know, organizational structure exists because humans create them. I don't think there's, I've said it before on air, there's no way we're going to get to a completely flat organization. And, and that, you know, if you're really, really close to being flat, or if you're really, really narrow and tall, there are problems associated with both. They have strengths and weaknesses in both cases. But essentially, 
people tend to behave the same way when bosses are given power and money and, and, and rewards are involved. It's not, it, you don't have to be scientific about it. You don't have to be new agey about it. There are certain natural human behaviors that happen. And so we find that managers and leaders, bosses who are really, really, really good, don't get terribly complex about it, right? As you said, it's not, it's not terribly complex. Right. And this is no different than any other profession, right? If you want to be a great football coach, then you go study the great football coaches and you do what they do, right? Right. If you yeah. want to be a great accountant, you go find a good accountant and you do what that accountant does. And so management, human behavior should, should be no, no right. different. Yeah. Other people have done this before and have become great. We ought to be able to pay attention to them. And, and I'll tell you what's happened is a lot of management thinkers interviewed a bunch of executives and usually those folks that we think of as being outstanding, they have been promoted to executive status based on that ability. Uh, and, and then what they do is they take all that information, they share it with us in, in probably, what do you know, a book, right? Sometimes the really, really great ones, the great leaders, managers, executives, and so on, they get their own biography. Um, usually it's not because they're a great manager all by themselves, but because they were a great manager, leader, executive, and they grew an organization or had outsized financial slash business results. You know, Bill Gates, Jack Welch, Kettering, Sloan, Watson, Ford. And frankly, if they get a biography or if it's an autobiography like Jack Welch, they talk about what they did that made them successful. Now, the problem with that, though, is that in the first case, the authors, you know, if we're talking not about biographies, but just about some management thinker trying to surmise what it is for great managers or leaders, they describe what the great ones do. But because they're not thinking of themselves as really management trainers, they're really thinking of themselves as, as capturers of knowledge, if you will, they take a pretty broad brush approach and they imply that not every single manager would be able to do it the way Jack Welch does or, or Kettering or Sloan or whomever, right? It's impossible often when you read those books to get to details. I mean, if you read it, if you're a young manager and think, okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to read, uh, Tom Watson's book, his history at IBM, which is really a very, very good book. His anecdote about smoking marijuana in college is hilarious. You know, you're not going to get a great deal out of it. There's some great stories in there, but everybody draws their own conclusions about what was the driver of that story, why it was successful and so on. And a lot of times the person at the very top, particularly the biography, they don't do a good job of really analyzing why they're good or not. There's something else too. It, it, when the author is writing it, in the first case where they're, they're just aggregating a bunch of behaviors and trying to analyze it and figure out what the common themes are, the author is rarely somebody who's been down in the trenches, right? And their approach, when they look at a bunch of managers or leaders who are good at their jobs, they abstract the analysis that they're doing up to a level of what they would consider to be generality that's helpful, but only really, really broadly to as many people as possible, rather than trying to be specific and coming up with some, this is how you would do or replicate what it is he or she did. Yeah, I, I can see that they try to abstract it to such a level that is that it's general and appeals to this broad, broad audience, most of who are not terribly interested in actually doing anything. Yeah. But for, for us practicing managers, those that actually manage uh, and are, and are looking for things to do, that's not their audience. Yeah. And most of those folks don't ever think, okay, but if I really had to try to implement this stuff, what would I actually have to do? They're not thinking about actually being a manager in a small or large organization. They're not. And if they were, they would answer the unspoken question that every manager has. And wow, that's a great story. What can I learn from that? It'd be nice if they asked, 
Uh, what can I learn? Uh, it'd be even better if they asked, okay, what can I do? And, you know, the learning is just the story to sell books. And sometimes the doing, all, all the time, the doing is left out. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I'll tell you, if you want to know an example of something that's different, read Larry Bossie's book on execution. You know, 10 years from now, I think I'm going to say that the three best management books I've read in the last 10 years, and, and, and no, let me put it this way, the two best pure management books I've read in the last 10 years are The Effective Executive and Execution by Larry Bossidy. I mean, it's full of, I went down to the plant, the plant manager did this, and here's what I said to her, and here's why I said it, and here's why I recommend you do the same thing. Right. That is so exceptionally rare. You know, I've read Execution three or four times. Uh, it's the, it is the, the management book that I have read more frequently than any other, other than The Effective Executive. Yeah. The problem is, you know, and there's there, there are some exceptions, but the vast majority of uh, folks writing these books have never managed a things in the, a thing in their lives. They've never they've never had to do it, and that's got to be a huge part of the problem. Yeah, the, the, yeah. A lot of management officers have never been managers. That's a huge part of the problem. They think, and frankly, we know that they think this because we've asked them this, that their broad sketches of approaches to leadership really are actionable in some cases because they expect the reader to really, really sit down and spend hours reading the book and co cogitating on it and, and ruminating on it and drawing a conclusion and then putting together a plan that will work for them, which frankly, I don't know anyone who's ever done that uh, based on a book they read about management theory. And frankly, a lot of the theories that they have break down under heavy questioning when the questioner, and yeah, I admit, folks, it was me, asked things like, what would you have me do in this situation? What would you have me do in that situation? And very quickly, they back off and say, well, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, you know, I'm not a manager. So look, I'm sorry, a lot of tangents here. We've read all the books. The answers aren't there, except for a few. On the other hand, we work with thousands perhaps personally work with tens of thousands of managers. I don't know. I don't want to count. We've seen what works. We've seen what doesn't. We've coached thousands of managers and executives, right, for months and even for years in some cases. We've seen some get promoted five times in three years and others never get promoted while thinking they should be well and running the show, right? Those are always the interesting ones. We've seen smart managers fail. We've seen arrogant ones succeed. We've seen quiet ones get fired. We've seen loud ones get rewarded. We've helped bad ones become good and good ones become CEO. We have absolutely come to realize that most people's ideas of management as a born-in skill about people, a people skill, is terribly wrong and that the average professional would never be able to figure out what management really is from watching five different managers do their work. They're all different. Success is impossible to discern because it takes a while, right? You get, you get rewarded later. You don't do some X and then five minutes later get, get a, a lollipop, right? And most people are bad at knowing why they're good. If you ask the people who are good, they don't always have good answers. And frankly, they don't even know why they're good, even if they're good, right? And there are plenty of bad bosses out there giving out advice, often quite loudly and vociferously, trading on their role power to become a teacher, and really, in fact, not on, they're not trading on their effectiveness or whether or not their ideas will stand the test of time. So really, all that is, is background that Mike and I talk about all the time uh, that, that is part of the energy that we bring to this, to this thing we're doing. And this is where we part company with most management thinkers and consultants and authors. And, and there are some. Marshall Goldsmith is as good as they come. Peter Drucker was as good as there will ever be. Larry Bossidy is really, really good. Jack Welch is really, really good. There are a few others, right? For the most part, 
what happens is, and those, those folks that we just mentioned are exceptions. For the most part, management thinkers watch other senior people or have a theory about the world and they share that theory or they say what a senior manager or leader or executive or diplomat did. They stop there. They describe the themes and they leave it at that. Maybe they actually say how the successful person implements the theme, but frankly, usually not in terms of details. And they might even say they know their people really well, but as a young manager, you don't know what, what the heck would I do with that? And frankly, when they're writing, they want to sell books. No, no offense. I respect that. And they don't intend for the average manager to implement what that successful person does because they would assume context being different. You wouldn't be able to do that. That actionable piece is left unsaid. And where we're different is we don't leave the actionable piece unsaid. The whole point of manager tools in the very beginning was Mike, when Mike and I started, it was Mike said, we got to figure out a way to get what you taught my folks in front of more people. And basically what we've done is create teachable equivalents. We've looked at what great managers and leaders have done, and we have boiled it down into actionable recommendations that we can tell you what to do, right? Manager tools has taken quote, great management, which everybody seems to aspire to, but nobody really seems to know what it is and turned it into a, to an equivalent, not the same thing, but an equivalent that you can do now. Okay. Look over and over and over again, among the best managers and leaders and executives that we've seen, these same themes come up over and over again. We'll talk about the themes in a minute. Maybe not with all highly successful executives or leaders, but with 90 plus percent of the highly effective managers and executives we know, the themes we'll walk through tonight or in this show are really, uh, they are the memes of effective management. And what we have done is looked at what they do and then turned it into something. To, it created a teachable equivalent that will allow you to address the things that they know work in a way that you can actually implement it. It's as simple as that. That's what we mean by teachable equivalent. Rather than talking about theories, rather than saying, be like them, we're saying, here's something you can do now that will address the thing that they know they do that makes them better than everybody else. And you can do this and we can tell you exactly what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and so on. It is not the same thing as what they do. It is simply a teachable equivalent of what they do. And for the average manager, it is a brilliant improvement about what they're doing. Right. And for the good manager, it has a chance to make them really, truly outstanding. Right. And, and we got to be clear here, right? Because we're, we're saying that these great leaders and executives and managers that we know all execute or 90 plus percent of them execute on these memes that we're going to go through. Mm -hmm. um, what we're not saying is that they all do the manager tools trinity. They don't no. do you right. know, one-on-ones, coaching, feedback, delegation, all, all that, the manager tools way. They execute right. on the memes. The things I just described are the actionable things that we can teach people to yeah. do. Yeah, we we have created teachable equivalents because, and, and we believe we're alone in that regard. We'd love to have a conversation with two or three other firms or companies, or whatever, that actually have teachable equivalents, and we'd like to understand what they're equivalent to, and we'd like to understand how it is teachable. But we're actually willing to take the risk of saying, "Do this." Here's all the theory, and here's what we want you to do. We're not comfortable saying here's all the theory because we were you, and we didn't like the fact that people were teaching us theory, and we didn't know what to do with it. Now, there's some risk. Some people would say, well, maybe you're wrong. I said, well, 10% of the highly effective leaders and managers in the world 
you know, they do it differently than this. And none of the senior leaders do everything exactly the way we suggest. Oh, a few of them that are really, really good do everything exactly the way we say. But we don't teach what each successful executive does because it's not teachable or usable to the average manager. And again, we don't simply share that high-level analysis of what makes them good. And that's not just because we think the analysis is wrong and misleading, which we think it is for most management thinkers that we read, because it always seems to flow from their own theory of the world. And they have a paradigm and they look at somebody else and say, see, it proves I'm right. But also, the other reason we don't share it is because it doesn't help us in managers that we know to know more theory. We watch managers and executives. We looked at what they all had in common, irrespective of what we thought about management. And believe me, Mike and I were not naturally inclined to do these things at all. And we didn't use the tools when we first started managing. And then we created the tools and have since refined them and refined them and refined them over tens of thousands of managers using them. We created the tools to allow all of us to replicate the key memes and ideas that made those high-level executives and managers really, really successful. Right. Now, we're not saying that the Manager Tools Trinity is the only way to be successful, right? Right. That's the, that's the other point. One is, yeah, not every executive does it our way. And the other is, this is not the only way, right? Yeah. If you ask us, just by sure numbers, the second most likely way to be highly successful behind, beyond figuring out some way to implement these themes, and we figured out one some way to do that, right? But the other way to, to be successful is to d- intimidate your directs into fearing you and be so smart, literally be brilliant, that you can keep one step ahead of them and your boss. And look, folks, this works. Okay, we, we've never made any bones about it. You, it's not as if there are intimidating executives who have hidden that for 25 or 30 years. Right. No, they haven't. <laughs> yeah, it works. They are. <laughs> you, if what you want is to get promoted and you're prepared to be a little bit unethical, and we see unethical, we don't mean cheating. We simply mean lacking an ethos, and we would include caring for people as a reasonable ethos as a human being in the world today, right? If you're willing to be a little bit unethical, you can, in fact, bully your way up to a mid and maybe even a high level and maybe an exceptional high level if you're really, really smart. You can ignore everything we recommend and you still have a chance of being thought of as very, very good as a manager or at least being being noted as being successful based on the definition of success being your salary and or the number of people that you uh, that you have in your organization or the size of the budget that you control. And, and frankly, folks, a little bit of side note here, the more specialized field that you're in, the greater your ability to be successful when it comes to managing without any managerial effectiveness all by itself, just as a function of the narrowness of your field and the fact that intellect can probably get you a little bit further. If you're the most brilliant chip engineer, you can get away with being more of a jerk when it comes to being a manager, simply because we're going to make you more of a working manager rather than a working manager. Right. And we might teach that that technique if, if our audience just consisted of the top one half of one half of a percent in in, in a field. In intellect. Right. Yeah. That, that would be, yeah, that would be nice. Right. But look, something else too. We encourage you folks to engage in any, any, and I, I guess ethical would be a criteria here, any ethical behavior that you believe will make you a better manager and leader. Okay. We're not saying this is the way. Okay. We know this way works and we're tired of management thinkers saying, well, because there is not one way, because look at Welch, look at Sloan, look at Kettering, look at Watson, look at Ford. They're all different, right? Oh, and by the way, when you read people that are 80 or 90, 
years old and so on. You have to be very careful. The world was a different place back then. But they look and they say, well, they're all so different. So therefore, there is no one way. And we say, no, we disagree. Uh, What we'd say is maybe there is no one way, but there's got to be a way that can get people two steps further than they are now and get everybody into a place where management is not nothing but Dilbert world, right? You know, look, engage in anything you can that'll make you more effective as a manager and leader. Look, some people have noted, have kidded us, in fact, have been very direct. Our customer advisory committee said, you know, you don't sell your products very well, right? We don't, we don't send out a whole lot of marketing emails. You know, gosh, when I see the number of stuff I get from other people who don't even know me, it's amazing how many marketing emails we hypothetically, I guess, could send out in this modern, you know, world of the cost and marginal cost of an additional email to an additional member is zero. We're not trying to be the biggest managerial management thinking company in the world. We want to change management for the better. Even if you don't use the path we've scouted for you that we know works, okay, because we have thousands of managers who have done it, right? We're happy to hear when managers work on getting better themselves, even if it's not our way, right? If you're not working to get better though, right, that's where we part company. If you're not working to get better, well, we wish you step aside for somebody who's willing to be professional about their responsibilities. We take the burden of being a manager seriously. We know most of you want to get better. And the reason for much of the comedy about managers is due to the number of us who don't take it seriously enough. And that's, that's no pun intended. It's a worthy job. It's worthy of your best. And the fact that most people haven't been able, most of the management thinkers aren't saying do this because they're afraid they're going to be wrong. The fact is we created this. It works. And we're not saying it's the only way. We're not saying it's the best way. But if it, I would argue that if it's the only way you know of and you know, you believe it will work, then you're crazy not to try it. No offense. Good. Okay. So why don't we end it there now? I think that's a great introduction. Yeah, to, I, I talked too long and I apologize. Yeah, yeah. This is important stuff. And, 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 you know, maybe some people won't be interested in this particular cast because this is, again, we'll have some doing at the end of it, it's, but it's more thinking. It's a little bit more of the, the stuff behind, you know, what informs our, our thinking about management. And, but, we haven't talked a lot about that, and and I know a lot of people want to listen to it. So I hope those who are not interested, they probably tuned out already. Already, anyways, uh, will forgive us. So let's let's stop there, so we don't have a, a ten hour podcast, and um, <laughs> we'll 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 finish this up next week. How does that sound? Sounds good. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll continue this series next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. <laughs>